you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke chapter 18 this morning. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're facing in life. But I'm preaching this morning on the one who does know. He knew you before you were born. He knew you when you were born. And he's been watching you ever since. He knows the darkest, deepest secrets that's in your life. Those things that you would not tell anybody about. He knows those things that you wouldn't tell your mother or your father about or your husband or your wife about. He knows those things. And yet he still wants to have something to do with you this morning. Let's all be honest with each other. If the people sitting next to you knew your deepest and darkest secrets in your life, they would not be sitting next to you this morning. Amen. I would not be standing here this morning. But in spite of all that, he still loves us this morning. I'm so glad he knows my name. Amen. Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. Very familiar story. But I want to look at it in a little different way this morning, and we'll go to another chapter and, uh, and bring the message out of that. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, let us stand. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That'd be, that's a question that everybody needs to be asking today. What should I do? to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, Sell all that thou hast, and distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the, uh, a needle's eye than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they heard this, and they said, Who can be saved? And one of his most profound statements in the Bible. And he said, These things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for, Lord, the gathering, Lord. We thank you to being back in your house, Lord, and just uh, praising you, lifting your name up this morning, Father. We'll praise you for that. Touch hearts, open hearts and minds this morning, Lord. Bring the words that we need to our hearts and our lives. And Father, we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. In this text, Jesus is dealing with an interesting character. His name is not given, but his title was given. His age, his social status as a leader. In the other gospel is mentioned in here, they, they say he's a rich young ruler. And can I say that this man had a combination of three things that will send people to hell faster than anything else? Can I say that this man had a combination of things in life that wind up being a deadly storm in his life? The only thing that we know about this man after his encounter with Jesus is that he walked away. 
He turned his back on the door of salvation. And if you're not careful this morning, if I'm not careful this morning, all this can send us all to hell this morning. Riches is when you got stuff and God doesn't have you. Riches is one thing that you have put your confidence in instead of the confidence of the one who gave you the things that you have. Youth is one of those things that, that we have in our life that they say, well, I, I, I don't want to get right with God yet. I've got to sow my wild oaks. I want to live my life. I'll wait till I get older. And let me just say this, the graveyard markers testify to the fact that there's been a lot of people that never made it to the old age and gray-headed person. Then he was a leader. He had prestige. He can't get right with God because too many people are watching him. This man walked up to the door of salvation and yet he did not walk in. After this encounter, Jesus began to preach about what just had happened. For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Let me just stop right there for a moment. I've heard all my life. Uh, I've heard many churches and I've heard preachers preach and everything. Uh, I've read study Bibles and everything on this uh, eye of the needle. And what they try to uh, downplay the Word of God, they try to diminish the, the effect of what God's Word is. They said that eye uh, needle of the eye is something that uh, the gates were shut down at nighttime. And it was easy for a camel to, to crawl through that eye of that needle to get inside the city. And I got to thinking about that. Nowhere in the Bible do you read it. To, nowhere do you find any scriptures. They haven't found anything except that. And if it's easier for a camel to crawl through that, it is just as easier for the man to crawl through it. What Jesus is saying, it is impossible. It's easier than a camel, a two-hump camel, to get back and run and go right through the eye of a needle than a rich man. Getting into heaven. Don't get me wrong, riches is not a bad thing if God gives them to you and you're a good steward of it. But it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than that rich man who loves and hoards his things that uh, keeps him separated from God. Listen, if you're saved this morning and you washed by the blood, uh, that was an impossible thing in yourself. It took somebody else. It took the power of God to birth you into the family of God. It took God to, uh, to save you. You cannot do it within yourself. I thank God when I bow my head and I bow my heart uh, and I trusted in God and I trusted in Him. I said, Lord, here I am. I'm believing and trusting you. And God birthed me into His family. But it's impossible for me. It's impossible for you to get saved by yourself. It takes another power to get saved. And he said, these things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I want to look, look at three things this morning. Those things that's impossible with men, but with God, is possible. Turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19. 
Verse number one. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to get really focused in on this, what I'm about to say. In verse one, number one, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and watch it, and he was rich. Jesus just said it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible for a rich man to be saved. But we know the end of Zacchaeus' story. He gets saved. He gets right with God. It's impossible for guys like that to get saved, Jesus is saying, without me. You cannot get saved without God. It takes God. He says in chapter 18 uh, that a rich man cannot be saved. But turn around right in verse 1 in chapter 19. He says, hey, it's impossible that this man can be saved, but he gets saved. Talking about possible things with God. And I'm not talking about stuff you can go out and do. I'm talking about stuff that you cannot do. It takes God. It takes authority. It takes power in your life to do. I'm talking about a God that when he walks up to the Red Sea, and they couldn't get around it. They couldn't get a rut through it. They couldn't get over it. But God breathed his nostrils of breath and rolled the sea back. And they crossed over on dry land. That's what I'm talking about. The impossible with man. I'm talking about a God that stood before a nine foot giant. This little lad went out there. And to the God was with man that was impossible. The whole army would not stand against him. But this little lad and God, it became possible. I'm talking about a God that came to the graveyard with this crazy demon that's chained up and he couldn't be broken. They couldn't do nothing with him, but God came and his chains was broken and he set me for the feet of God in his right mind. That's the things that God can do. That's things possible with God, but with you and I, it's not possible. It wasn't a preacher that done it. It wasn't a singer that done it. It wasn't the church that done it. It was not a church member that did it. But it was God. These things are impossible without God in your life. Three things that God specializes that we need. He specializes in a place of a curse. Verse number 1 of chapter 19, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Notice where Jesus shows up to this impossible in Zacchaeus' life. In Jericho. That might not mean much to you, but let me tell you, you ought to read your Bible. And first, the first place the children of Israel encountered when it crossed over the Jordan River was this wall that was impossible to get over, get around, or get through. They had no way through it. And for seven days, they marched around these walls and they watched and thinking, how am I going to get through it? Hey, with you, it's not Joshua. You can't do it. It's not inside of you. These walls are too big. You can't get over it. But with God, and on the seventh day, those walls come coming down. 
and they walked over the rubble. But that's not the end of the story. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26. And when Joshua adjourned them at that time saying, Curse be the man before the Lord that raises up, build a city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof of the firstborn, and the youngest son shall be set up at the gates of it. Joshua walked in, and God brought the walls in, and Joshua cursed the city of Jericho. And this is where Zacchaeus is, and this is where God's at, in a cursed place. After the city was brought down, Joshua put a curse on it. He said, this place is cursed. This is the place that Jesus comes walking to. It's a place of defeat. It's a place of disaster. It's a place that Jesus comes walking into. It crumbled in history. Nobody thinks good about Jericho. When Jericho's mentioned, they don't think no good about it. They think about people dying and the walls come crumbling down. Jericho is a cursed place where everything fell apart. You saying, hey, what does that got to do with me? Everybody in this building this morning has a Jericho in your life. Amen. 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 You're either saved or lost. You have a Jericho in your life where everything in your life come crumbling down. You have a place in your life when everything looked back and it was all messed up. There was defeat in your life and you went down and you, you went down hard. There was a place of destruction in your life where everything got blown to pieces. We can all remember a place like that in our life. When you think about this place, nothing good can come from a place like this. That's sickness, that's death, that's depression, that when you go through it, the, 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 the place of defeat, the disaster in life. But ain't you glad in the text, in a cursed place, in a defeated place, in a desirous place, Jesus comes walking right up in the middle of it. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus did not walk up to the gates of Jericho and said, Oh, I cannot go in there. That's a cursed place. I, I cannot go in there. That's a disastrous place. I, I can't go in there. That place is destructive. I can't go there. I have to go around and hold. Oh, no, 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 no. And the Bible said he, look here in verse number one, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And let me just tell you this. If you're in a Jericho, if you're fighting something in your life, you've got a disaster in your life, you're in a cursed place, Jesus will walk right into your Jericho. Amen. Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. You might have walked in here with some Jerichos in your life this morning. Feeling like God can't do nothing about it. God doesn't do anything to it. God ain't going to do nothing because of it. But I'm glad 
There's a God who'll just walk up in the middle of the city limits and say, hey, I can't go. He's, there's a God that'll say, hey, I'm walking through. I'm going to you. I'm going to get in the middle of your Jericho and handle what's wrong in your life. Listen, your cursed place, your destructive place, your disastrous place has not scared God off from you. You may ask, where is God in this cursed place? The walls have fallen down. It's been destroyed. It is a wreck. I'll tell you where he's at. He's on the way to the city limits. He's coming. It, it, it might take a while, but it'll be right on time. You might be fretting. You might be sweating. You might say, Lord, I've been praying. I've been asking. I've been seeking. Somehow it's not happening. But let me just say this. He's coming. He's not on your time frame. He does what he does to who he does, when he does, and how he does. I've struggled through life's deserts. They were so hot and dry. Till it seemed like all hope was gone and I would die. I wondered where he was at. He was still a friend of mine. Then coming down the road was Jesus. Right on time. Your Jericho may have crumbled on top of you, caused a disaster in your life. But praise God, he's not afraid of your Jericho. He's not afraid of your disaster. Just hold on, child, because he's not too far away. Look up. He's right on time. He's coming down the road. He's coming to your city limits. He's about ready to enter your Jericho. He's about ready to take that disaster and that destruction in your life, that Jericho that's been holding you down and keeping you defeated. He's about ready to get you delivered from your Jericho. Hey, the children of Israel conquered Jericho, walked over and got through it. Let me just say this. If God can do that for the children of Israel, God can do that for you this morning. Don't let your Jericho defeat you. He specializes in the place of curse. He also specializes in corrupt people that are corrupt. <laughs> I'm about to have a Baptist fit here in a minute. And some people you're sitting here know exactly what I'm talking about. You walk down through your Jericho. And you know what it's like for God to show up on time. Jesus specializes in people that are corrupt. Right here, Zacchaeus, and the Bible said he was a publican. Verse 2. He's a sinner. In verse 7. He's not only corrupt. In business, but he's corrupt in his dealings in business. A publican to the Jew at that time was someone who worked for the Romans. He collected taxes from the, his own people, from his own kind. 
And most of the time, they got more taxes than was due. They done that to line their pockets. They filled their pockets. He's corrupt in his behavior. He's a sinner. He's just like all of us before we came to know Jesus Christ. But the God of the impossibles walked right up in the middle of Zacchaeus' life. You know what the name Zacchaeus means? It means pure. Yet he's far from being pure. Can you imagine him being born, his mama and his daddy looking at this little thing? He says, what shall we name him? Uh, I said, let's name him Zacchaeus. That means pure. Hey, they made us say, hey, let's take him to the church. Uh, let's introduce him to the tabernacle. Let's get him with God. Let's show him what God can do. Uh, and they just show him and they keep taking him to church. Uh, they him singing the songs uh, and he's been all the things that he should be being brought up in the way of God by his mom and daddy. But yet, he's not where he should be in life right now. He's not pure. Let me just say this. You may have some in your life that they wandered out. They're no longer pure. And they're not in the church. They're not singing the songs. They're not praying. They're not reading the Bible. Don't give up praying. Your prayers will reach heaven. Your prayers will touch heaven. Praise God. Just keep on praying because the God of impossible will walk into their life and touch their life and change their life. Just keep on praying. Every one of us got somebody in our family we know like that. Let's be honest. I, I know corrupt people in my life. I know those that are lost and are done. I know those are sinners. Those are living in the world. Enjoying the things of work of this world. Should we give up? Oh, no, 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 no. Somebody got a hold of heaven for you. Somebody got on their knees and petitioned heaven for you. They said, hey, I've got a loved one that needs to get right with God. And they're going to keep on praying, keep on praying. Some of us may have grandmothers and grandfathers and mothers and fathers that just prayed and prayed and prayed and just would not quit praying. You might have heard them in the back room praying, oh, God, touch them, save them, get them out of the world, bring them into the house of God. You may have somebody just say, hey, I love you, I'm going to pray for you. Don't give up on them. You keep praying. You keep begging God. And God will do the impossible. Things that you and I cannot do, God can do. Things that is impossible for you and I to do, but fortunately for God, it's not impossible to do this morning. He's the God of the impossibles. You have a Zacchaeus in your life. You keep praying. You keep praying. Keep on petitioning heaven and touch God's heart. He specializes in cursed places. He specializes in those that are lost and undone, the corrupt people. But he also specializes in the power that can make a change. All these things could not happen within ourselves. We don't have the ability, we don't have the capability to do any of these things without the power of God. 
He specializes in things that you can, can't make a change. But you have to be willing to let him make a change. You've got to be willing. All of us in our life knows what needs to be changed. Every one of us sitting here says, yeah, I know what needs to be my change in my life. But you got to be willing to let him make the change to better you. We're too busy wanting to hold on things. We like to keep this stuff to ourselves. Here are two rich people we're talking about. One in chapter 18 and one in chapter 19 and one in chapter 18 walks away from the door of salvation, doesn't get right with her, and there's no mention of him where again, as far as I know, he died and went to hell. But the one in chapter 19, he gives a great riches and he gets right with God. He gets right with God. Do you know the difference between these two? Jesus had to tell the one in chapter 18 what needed to be changed. But in chapter 19, he never told Zacchaeus. He never told him. The only thing he told Zacchaeus, come down, I must go to the house and eat with you. It's the only thing he said. And when Jesus gets to his house and Zacchaeus opened up his heart and says, Hey, Lord, if I've done any wrong, if I've done these things wrong, I'll get back. I won't take it. He, Jesus ain't said, Hey, you need to get right. It was in his heart already. He knew what he needed to be changed in life. And he was willing to let God change. Amen. Rich young ruler, what must I do? And Jesus tells him. Preachers do it all the time. Preach, what might I do to be saved? Get right with God. Not right with me, not right with the church, not right with the church members. Get right with God. If you get, oh my goodness, if you get right with God, God will get you right with everybody else. Amen. Amen. Because if everybody's right with God, ain't nobody wrong with each other. I like that. I ought to put that on a plaque. Right before you come to the door. Get right with God before you come in. Because if you don't get right with God, you're going to be out of tune with everybody else. Amen. Jesus never told Zacchaeus what he had to change. Didn't tell him the plan of salvation. He says, hey, just come down. I must needs to eat with you tonight. I want. And Zacchaeus opened up his heart. You know what? A lot of us do the same thing. Lord, I know what needs to be changed in my life. I know where I'm standing at. I know what's wrong in my life. I'm just going to come to the altar, Lord. You don't need to tell me. I already know my heart ain't right. My life ain't right. I'm not walking the way I'm doing. I'm not saying the things I'm doing. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, Lord. I know that. And I'm willing to come and let you change it in my life. There's a difference in knowing what needs to be changed in your life and allowing God to change what's in your life that needs to be changed. Every one of us sitting here this morning, this morning has got something in our life that needs to be changed. Amen. But preacher, I'm saved. You might be saved. You might be washed by the blood. 
You might be on your way to heaven, but there are still some things in your life that needs to be changed to get out. And God specializes in that stuff. I can't change you and you can't change me. But God can certainly change us if we allow him to. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. God knows this world needs something and it needs him. It doesn't need the rest of us pulling our fingers at everybody else. We need to just point up to heaven. He's the answer. He's the solution. And what he'll do in me, he'll do in you and everybody else in this world if we allow him to make that change.